Well, welcome all those that are in the service here in our chapel, and also those that will be listening on radio and television. Welcome. I'm filling in for Dr. Hansen today. I've been with him for about 24 years. But anyway, he is ministering in Oklahoma City, and his wife will be ordained tomorrow in a special meeting, I should say on Monday, receiving ordination through the Independent Assembly Fellowship. Today, my message is going to be on unity. I feel that our time is to bring the church back into unity, bring the family back into unity. And before I begin the subject on unity, I want you to let you know some of my previous messages that led up to this one. It started when Pastor asked me to speak in Seoul, Korea, and I started with the message Faith and Trust, then it went into Confidence and Hope, and now I'll be talking about unity. It was interesting when I was in Seoul, Korea, my interpreter, she had my message beforehand and she came up to me and she says, EJ, I have a problem. I says, what's that? I mean, I prepared this message, right? She says, in South Korea, in Korean language, we only have one word for faith and trust. And I was distinguishing a little bit between faith and trust. So I said, basically, what I'm saying is, is that we can have faith in Jesus, but do we really truly trust him? She says, will you give me five minutes to speak to the people? I have no idea what she said, but it was all done in Korean, and it was not interpreted. And afterwards, whatever she said worked because they understood what I was saying. Unity, I'm basing it out of Ephesians 4, and it's the whole chapter, and I probably will not take time to read the whole chapter, but I'll be reading parts of it. Ephesians 4 is unity applies to our faith, it applies to our marriage, it applies to our family, and it applies to the church. I'm saying this, we are not living in a new age. You hear so much about the new age. We are not living in the new age. That new age is an old age. It's an old age of Satan's influence into society. Just a side note. But unity that we want is based in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it's interesting, the history of the United States and our Constitution and our Bill of Rights is all based on biblical principles. That's why we have been blessed as a nation. But the enemy does not like that, and he started to destroy our biblical base. One of the first acts that took place was the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, which set out to destroy the money of our government of we the people. It put us into hands of a foreign agency called the Federal Reserve. By the way, the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor is it reserve. FedEx, FedEx, which was uh, Federal Express, when it started out, it was called Federal Express. It wasn't federal, but it used the name federal, and it's deceiving, especially with the banking system. Then came along the removal of prayer and God in schools. It was interesting when Pastor and I was down in Cuba many years ago, we were able to attend a meeting which 50 years that the church had never been able, the pastors had never been able to come together. Yes, they had churches. They had underground churches too, but that was something different. But the main churches were allowed to operate. They could not build, they could not expand, but they could operate. And this is the first time in 50 years they were able to come together. One thing we learned in Cuba was you can evangelize people. You do not pray for them in public. It is illegal. You'll be thrown in jail if you pray. You think the leadership of Cuba knew something about the power of prayer? 
Well, now it was interesting. The leader from America that we went with, the first night we were there, one of his Cubans, Fidel Castro's top men came there to fight, see what was all said. And this leader prayed for him, put his hands on him, laid his hands on him, prayed for him, and he shook, and he left. He thought, the pastor thought he was going to be arrested that night. Never happened. Another gentleman came the next day, but that was it. Nothing happened. I think that gentleman realized something had happened to him. There was a power that was given. But he knew that praying was illegal, but he did it anyway. He laid hands on him, prayed for him. That's kind of the attitude we have to have. And I try to bring this up because we pray, but I sometimes I don't think we understand the full value and the knowledge and the power of prayer. We just take it too much for granted, something that we do. The next thing that came along was the destruction of marriage and families. Now, Satan did not create marriage. God created marriage. He created man, he created woman, and put them together in marriage to have children. Satan is out there to destroy that, and he has no control to do that. He never started it. It's man and woman and children. It's that simple. And then came along, now, man's inventions, the computer, smartphones, etc., etc. It's almost kind of interesting. You cannot go anywhere without the cell phone, your phone, anymore. I mean, I could probably look in here and see a few of them laying out, and that's good because there's Bible in there. They have the Bible passage. I'm not knocking the cell phone. But I am saying it's become awful, very important in our life. You can't leave home without it. You can't leave your office without it. If you do, you, you got to figure somehow to go get it. But there's another area that I just heard about, and I can't verify these facts. But 11 teenagers die every day while texting, while driving. Do you think Satan's having his way with this little invention that we got? And I've always told a story, even in my home, many years ago, when pastor's daughter and my granddaughter were at the table playing a nice game, Mexican dominoes. Anyway, it's a fun game. You can play it without creating a big mind. You can concentrate and you can talk. And I always kept saying, Melita, your turn. Caitlin, your turn. Finally, you know, I was getting a little bit upset, but finally Melita picked up her phone, sat it on the table, and walked in. And I clicked over the phone, I looked at it. It says, Caitlin, be right back, I'm going to the bathroom. They were sitting there underneath the table texting. And now people love the text. Do they ever talk to you on the telephone? <laughs> You're sitting around the table, do you talk? I mean, you go down to a restaurant, and you see these people there, you know, they're all playing with these phones. Have they become an idol? Just think about it. We need to bring the family back together and so I like the Jewish position where they have on Sukkot on Friday night, the family comes together, no phones, no nothing, it's family night. And you play games or whatever you want to do, but it's family night. And I encourage everyone in this America, you take a family night. We need to restore the family, a time of fellowship. And thank you that are doing it. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes I believe we trust more, we put more trust and faith in our iPhones than we do in the Holy Spirit. In the olden days, we trusted the Lord. When we went away and come back home, we didn't have a way to communicate with mom and dad. We didn't have a way. We just trusted the Lord that he'd take us safely and bring us back safely. Right. Uh, I mean, I came back one day and ended up crashing, a hog ran into me and crashed my car on the door. But I still got home safely and sound. And, but anyway, so, but now, because of the society we live in, 
it's very dangerous. So I have no problem with cell phones because it gives us a little bit of safety. Where are your children? Where is your wife? Where is your husband? What are they doing? So if there's something comes up, you have a quick way of getting hold of them because we are living in a dangerous society. So therefore, I say I'm not opposed to cell phones, but we must let them not take up our time as an idol. Okay, let me get back to unity. <laughs> uh, what is unity? I'm going to give you a Webster de definition, a legal definition, and a biblical definition. Webster, the quality or state of not being multiple, that means oneness. A condition of harmony, being in one accord. A quality or state of being one, unification. Legal definition, the quality or state of not being multiple, the quality of state of being one, single, whole, or the same. Biblical, Paul says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In Ephesians 3, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I take this to mean that the Holy Spirit, not man, is the giver of unity. The only way we can come to unity within a family or within a church is allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. The Holy Spirit will bring unity. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it states, if one spirit, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink in one spirit. The unity that we need to pursue is unity and truth. No truth, no unity. Oneness or unity that shines with self-authenticity glory for the world to see is in union with the Father and the Son, so that the glory of the Father and Son is part of lives. John 17:22 says, The glory you have been given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In John 17:23. The, that glory is owing to this, I in them and you, the Father, in me. From this union with God, he gives glory and should shine something the world may see. If God gives them the eyes to see. If God gives them the eyes to see. People come to know the Lord only when the Holy Spirit moves ahead. I know an old evangelist, I say old because many years ago, uh, he said he never led anyone to the Lord unless he prayed that the Lord would lead and guide them and make their heart soft. They're open. You have to be open. And we cannot open their hearts. We can preach the word. We can teach the word. We can love them. We can hug them. But it's the Holy Spirit that will finally bring them to the knowledge of the Lord. The ultimate game aim of Christian unity is for the glory of God. Paul says in Romans 15, 5 through 7, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may be one voice glorifying the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Christian love should cross all boundaries. 
It leads to unity because the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us. We need to cultivate affections across differences for those who are your, truly your brothers and your sisters in Christ. We need to hate serious blunders. We need to hate sin, but not sincere brothers. Humans have never been good at this, this love, loving the brother even though they're living in sin. And the philosophical, emotional climate today makes it even harder since truth claims are only seen in the cloak of power grabbing. Now I'm going to consider what Charles Spurgeon, I hope you know all remember the name Charles Spurgeon. He was a English Baptist preacher and wrote many sermons. And I'll be talking about one of his sermons. You can find it in the Metropolitan Tabernacle Pulpit Series, Volume 13. And I want you to notice the intensity of Hove and Late. He says, where the Spirit is God is, there must be love. And if, you, if I have once known and recognized any man to me be, be my brother in Christ Jesus, the love of Christ constraineth, constraineth me no more to think of him as a stranger or foreigner, but a fellow citizen with saints. Now I hate high churchism, as my soul hates Satan, he says. I love George Herbert, and this one I looked up, I can't find who George Herbert was, but it was someone that he knew personally, it was high ranking in the church. I love George Herbert from my very soul, and I have a warm corner in my heart for every man who is like him. Let me find a man who loves the Lord Jesus Christ as George Herbert did, and I do not ask myself whether I shall love him or not. There is no room for question. I cannot help myself unless I leave off loving Jesus Christ I cannot cease loving those who love him. We teach here, uh, we, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. It's another way of putting it. But he's saying here, you know, just because I don't agree with him as high churchism, <coughs> I still need to love him as Christ loved me. Since we're talking about unity, what's the opposite? Disunity. That's the opposite. We're going to read from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 now, and a few questions come to my mind based on this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that I walk worthy of the vocation where you were called, and with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, and love another, one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as we are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. What causes disunity? Now this is my idea, so it's my pulpit. I've got the right to give my ideas. I pray they've been led by the Holy Spirit. Simply put, I think uni disunity comes from selfishness and stubbornness. It's either my way or hit the road, Jack. <laughs> I have a friend from... <laughs> From Nigeria, I had to explain that when he said that to him the other day. It's my way or hit the road, Jack. No, it's got to be God's way. The way of Jesus Christ, not man's way. What charges, what causes church splits? And I don't think there's anyone listening or any pastor or any church member has not gone through a church split. It's because a man's theology and man's doctrines and man's interpretation of the Word of God. 
and not the Holy Spirit's interpretation. Even in Jesus' day, he had to come against the Pharisees for their interpretation of scriptures, their man-made doctrines. So we need to be cautious. This is a very serious thing, that we need to be cautious that we're not making man's theories, man's doctrine. The mind's intellect, I love scholars, but sometimes scholars get more based on their mind and their thinking of what the Lord is saying instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to them. And in my last few years, I, I'm starting to think more about the Holy Spirit, being led and guided by the Holy Spirit, because we can make mistakes, even if we have good biblical knowledge. But we need to know that it's being led by the Holy Spirit. Man must not let our human knowledge interpret the Scripture, but the Holy Spirit. And going from verse 8 through 13 of Ephesians 4, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up to heaven on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he descended in the same also as he ascended up far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And, and I'm going to read these next few verses. And most like most time, people stop at verse 12. And that has got me a little bit upset. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. That's teaching, discipline. And that's where they stop. The next verse says, till we all come in unity of the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, and the measure of the statue of fullness of Christ. Why did he give these people a bit? So that they could bring people into unity. I think one of the reasons that's not talked about is because we know within the church there's great disunity. I don't know how many denominations there are. I've heard up to a thousand, but I, I can't say that. But there's a lot of divisions, a lot of... Even within denominations, there's divisions. And pretty soon, that denomination becomes a new denomination. And it just keeps going and going. And I think Satan has his hand because he wants to destroy what he created. Man, woman, marriage, family, and church. And government. God created government. Man didn't create it. Devil didn't create it. He's trying to destroy it. I think that's very important that we think about I'm going to add a little humor here, a little bit. <laughs> why, does, why do people leave churches? Uh, just a little bit about my history. Most of you sitting in this audience have heard it, but those outside may not have heard this. My grandfather's a German, and, you know, maybe a little stubborn. I'm German, maybe a little stubborn at times. You can see my son out there smiling, my wife out there shaking her head. But anyway, uh, my grandpa Buckhart was a member and born and raised in the Roman Catholic Church. I got good German heritage, even back when a lot of, a lot of Catholic, Roman Catholic priests in my name, in the background, and even some with the, S, the SSS, the Hitler's Army, so it's not a good background necessarily. But anyway, Grandpa wanted to name his youngest son Henry John, and the priest says, no, you have to name him John Henry. And my grandpa says, no. If I cannot name my son the way I name him, I'll go across the street to church. Well, in this small town, there's a Catholic church here and a Lutheran church here. He walked out the door and joined the Lutheran church. I happened to be born and raised as a Lutheran. 
Not a good reason necessarily for leaving, but I think sometimes the humor side of it, that's why some people leave, because they don't want to, I'm going to have it my way, or hit the road jack. And the priest says, you hit the road jack, if you don't do it my way, you get out this door. My father said, well, okay, I'm walking across the door, because I don't believe in you. Also, I happen to have graduated from a seminary. And one thing, and I'm talking about denominationalism and the problems with it, okay? I got, was examined by three professors on behalf of the Lutheran Church, American Lutheran Church at that time, ALC. The task of theirs was to determine if my understanding of theology and doctrine fit in with the doctrine and theology of the Lutheran Church. Nothing was said about whether or not Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Their job was to make sure that when I get ordained, I would follow the doctrines of that church. Another example I know of is that uh, in a church, I know someone that finally studied pre-trib, and he says, I can't really, I need to preach against this. I don't think it's the best biblical interpretation. And the denomination says, well, you can, you can believe it, but don't preach against it. And he said, well, then I'll leave, the, I'll leave your denomination. That's how strong they were. And we know in that, kind of, in that denomination, there's many that believe pre-trib is not correct, the correct interpretation. But it's man's interpretation. There's no Holy Spirit interpretation of this one. It's man's interpretation. So one of the things that splits the church is the doctrine of pre-trib. Another one is baptism in the name of Jesus only. Now, if you read Paul, it says he baptized in the name of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus. It's there. It's in Babel. But Matthew says baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They throw that one out the window because that doesn't go along with the rest of it. And so it splits people. If you don't believe in baptism in the name of Jesus only, I don't want anything to do with you. Hit the road, Jack. Once saved, always saved. I wish that were true. And if you stay faithful and follow God's procedures and his commandments and his statutes, once saved, you will be always saved. But there is a thing, if you don't fall away from God and you start sinning, God cannot allow sin. So you can't use that background. And then another one we ran into is the flat earth. Now, I happen to be an airline pilot, so I have a hard time believing in flat earth. But I believe science. I actually believe science is based on biblical principles, biblical doctrine. In other words, I think anything in the Bible can be based up by science, and science can make up, if it's true science, based up by the Bible. Now, I believe with, like Dr. Hansen says, that, you know, if you have that belief, it's got nothing to do with your salvation. Don't let it split. Remember when Charles Spurgeon says, I don't agree with him, but he's a man of God, he preaches the word, I need to love him. We will let God handle what they're at, the heart. I'm going to get a little bit more humor here and grab me some space as we get in here to the closing time. So here I go, and listen closely. There is a trinity. And by the way, that splits some churches because the word trinity is not in the Bible. But there is a trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is in the Bible. The word trinity is not in the Bible, but that concept is. But this is the joke. This is a humor. I believe there's another concept out there. Another trinity, me, myself, and I. That's the satanic trinity. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> I have some interesting words beginning with I. Idol, iPod, 
iPhone. <laughs> now I'm going to reverse this one a little bit. Artificial, artificial intelligence. I A. Now you can go on artificial intelligence and find an art, artificial intelligence Jesus. They will tell you everything you need to know about the Bible. You don't have to go to the Bible to get anything. It will tell you. Because, you know, even Satan knows the Bible, right? But the Holy Spirit is left out. The Holy Spirit is left out of that. And there is many pastors now that uses IA to make those sermons. But there's nothing in artificial intelligence, Jesus, that talks about the Holy Spirit or repentance. So we got to be careful with man's inventions. I got a whole message on man's invention, which I haven't given yet, but the dangers of it. And man's inventions are not dangerous in and of themselves, they're not good or evil, but they can be a problem. But we got to use them with responsibility. Jeremiah 44, 8 states, provoke me unto, provoke me unto wrath with the works of thy hand. Be careful of all of our inventions. Now, we think of idols as something statue here in the Bible. You know, they worship the Baal and they do this and that. But we have modern idols, too. We have to be careful. Use them to his honor and glory. And we can use it to his honor and glory. And when we use it to his honor and glory, we will come into unity within the family, within the church, and with our lives. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, Make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629- Five two four eight, and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.